Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Worstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company, and now I'm sharing the same systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. Welcome to episode 248. We're continuing our mini social media marketing series and building upon the previous episode where I gave you the lowdown on the most relevant social media platforms for jewelry brands today, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. Now that you're familiar with these platforms and have an idea of the types of people who use each one of them, you're probably wondering, how do I get the best results? Well, here's the thing. You don't have to be on all four platforms to succeed. I just want to make that super clear. Instead, it's really important to choose wisely based on your target customer, your available resources for content creation, and which platform aligns best with your business goals right now. I'll be covering tips and best practices for each of the four platforms, some insider secrets that are often overlooked but can make a huge difference in your social media performance, and setting realistic expectations so you know what to aim for. In the next episode after this one, we'll be exploring how to conduct a social media presence audit to uncover hidden opportunities, and we'll also assess your strengths and weaknesses and discuss how to measure success effectively. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. You should know that we're in the midst of a free podcast-guided program called Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart that's continuing through the end of July. And it involves weekly audio and video lessons just like this one, as well as, when you sign up, free companion PDF downloads. If you want to join the Jumpstart program, all you have to do is visit joyjoya.com jump, and I'll put that link in the show notes as well. Before we get to the solid gold today, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by searching Joy Joya. You can always support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, did you know I also co-host another one with jewelry marketer Liz Kantner? It's called Success with Jewelry. We've already released 42 free episodes everywhere you listen to podcasts as well as on YouTube. And we also have an insider community where members get extended episodes, hands-on guidance from me and Liz, and a plethora of resources. To learn more, visit successwithjewelry.com. Okay, my sparklers, let's get into the next installment of Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart, which is all about how to best use Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. Of course, in this episode, I can't get too far into a deep dive of each platform. Otherwise, as you can imagine, the episode would probably be hours long, like a whole day long. So (laughs) I'll just do my best to give you the greatest hits and some top level takeaways for each platform. So let's start with Instagram. 
Again, I'll share a few best practices as well as some insider tips for each one. So with Instagram, first and foremost, you can't just go through the motions with Instagram. And that's really why so many small business owners and marketing professionals get burnt out on it because you can't just coast. (laughs) You can't just like keep things the same all the time. Instagram really requires you to be on your toes and give it your all. You have to show up to it every time with something engaging, something creative and new that will simultaneously represent your jewelry brand while also capturing your audience. And I know this is a really big ask, especially for like one person shows or even someone with a really small team. But If you're going to commit to Instagram and invest in it as best as you can, as much as you can, you have to keep thinking of fresh new ways to show up all the time and do that consistently. So that's really the first tip and probably the most important one. Next, with Instagram, it's really important to make use of all of Instagram's surfaces and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but surface just refers to all the different formats that Instagram has. So like stories is a surface, reels is a surface, a carousel post is a surface. Instagram really wants you to use all of them. And the thing that's challenging about that is, as you know, they're always releasing new features or like upgrading features. And so using the surfaces is difficult because it's hard to just keep up with all the new things. When it comes to stories versus posts, so one thing that is good about Instagram is they are pretty transparent about talking about the surfaces, how you can best use them. They announce the new surfaces. So if you are kind of trying to navigate, let's just say stories versus posts, I really, I found a really great quote from Adam Masseri, who's the CEO of Instagram. And he said, quote, for most people, it's best to use both. So both stories and posts. Again, going back to the utilize all the surfaces point. He says, use the feed for the big things, the things you want to make sure everybody sees or as close to everybody as you can reach. And then stories for the more behind the scenes type everyday content, videos, photos. He says, that's how I try to use it. That's what I hear tends to work for most creators, end quote. Again, he's emphasizing using all of the surfaces, finding out how each one can really represent your brand, and then leaning into the type of storytelling you want to do on each of the different surfaces, like stories, like reels, like in-feed posts, whatever. And then the next top level tip I wanna say about Instagram is prioritize authenticity and storytelling. I think a really common mistake that jewelry, jewelry business owners make with Instagram is they just look to see what everyone else is doing in the space and they kind of try to copy that because they think, oh, well, that person must know what they're doing. They must be successful. I like this brand. I'm just gonna do that thing. But the reality is 
you have no idea how their Instagram is performing. You don't know the role that Instagram plays in their overall marketing strategy. And also what works for them may not work for your brand. And in this era of content saturation, I think authenticity Knowing your brand, storytelling your brand, staying true to it is the key to standing out on Instagram. So be genuine, be transparent, share compelling stories that resonate with your audience, really showcase that human side of your brand. That means highlighting behind the scenes moments, connecting emotionally with your followers. Authenticity on Instagram really builds trust and fosters meaningful relationships with your community. Before we move to the next platform, I just want to share some insider tips, some things that most people don't talk about when it comes to Instagram. My first one is, so this isn't really a tip that will necessarily improve your Instagram presence, but it will help you get more out of your Instagram for marketing in general. So really make sure, well, first that you have email marketing in place and then use Instagram as a way to get people on your email list so that you actually have the information like email addresses, names of people who follow you. And really the best place to do that is in Instagram stories. So in a story you can, since you can post links there, you can have a link directly to like your email signup form and tell people what they'll get by signing up for email, whether that's a discount, whether that's early access to promotions, uh, first look at new products. So use Instagram as a channel to get people on your email list. Next, I wanna say with Instagram, I'm sure you know how difficult it is to get organic growth and new followers. And with Instagram, there's really power in partnership. And Instagram even has tools to help facilitate partnership. So whether you're partnering or cross promoting with another brand, maybe one of your retail partners, a micro influencer, a really raving fan customer, a brand ambassador, you can always do a collab post which is a feature from Instagram that lets two users share the same post to each of their feed or reels. Or if you don't wanna do that and you have content that involves another user's account, encourage that person to share and then share back. Because in this way, you'll expose your brand to that person's followers and vice versa. And it's really a great way to get in front of new audiences. And then lastly, this isn't probably not gonna be a surprise that I'm saying this, but make more reels, produce more video content and try your best with the reel to make that first three seconds, yes, three seconds of the reel as attention grabbing as possible because you wanna keep your audience interested and engaged right off the bat. You want to get their attention. You want to make them feel invested in the video content that you're sharing. I see when I'm doing monthly reporting on my clients that those clients who are posting the most engaging reels and posting them often have the best Instagram engagement overall. All right, let's move to Facebook, how to succeed there. So with Facebook, Authenticity, again, just like with Instagram, is key, 
but for the goal of fostering a sense of community there. I think Facebook has really evolved into more of a community platform. So you want to encourage conversations and interactions by asking questions in your captions. You want to respond to any and all comments. I see so many brands neglecting comments from their followers Even if they seem kind of insignificant or there are only a few, you want to think, well, if somebody's commenting on your post and you're not responding or acknowledging the comments, why would they feel incentivized in the future to continue commenting if no one responds? So it's so important to think about having that real connection on Facebook. Then If it's relevant to your brand, then I would suggest potentially leveraging Facebook groups. It's a huge reason why people still engage with Facebook because again, they can find a sense of community there. So they're usually private groups or even open, but it's a place where people can engage and interact with each other. And they're usually based around a niche or a specific interest. So you can either build your own community or join one related to your audience's interests or niche that's related to your jewelry products. And if you don't already have a live chat tool on your e-commerce website, then I really recommend using Facebook Messenger as a super powerful tool for personalized communication and customer engagement. You can set up automated chatbots or live chat functionality that will provide instant responses to your customer inquiries. They can offer product recommendations, facilitate seamless transactions. This could also be a channel that can deliver exclusive promotions, updates, and personalized messages to your audience. So again, with Facebook, potentially using that live chat tool, helping you foster a direct and interactive connection with your potential customers. So what are some of my like insider tips for Facebook? One, if you're using both Instagram and Facebook in your social media marketing strategy, please don't be lazy about it. I see a lot of brands just like reposting or auto reposting from Instagram to Facebook. And so it's basically the same post. What is the point of doing that? Like, why would you have the two channels? So I would say post separately to Facebook. If you do have a different audience there, then consider what should I be sharing to those people versus Instagram? And then always, always, always on Facebook, whenever you're showing a product, make sure in the caption that the link to the product page is included in the caption because it's really easy then for someone to click through to your website And again, with a lot of my clients reporting, when they do this, I see there's definitely an increased amount of traffic coming from Facebook to their website. So this is a highly overlooked opportunity to drive people to your online store. And then my next insider tip, if you do have an engaged audience on Facebook, especially with people of a certain age, like let's say over 50, then you may be missing a huge opportunity by not going live or doing live video on Facebook. This will give you an opportunity to really connect with that audience and give you video content that you can repurpose and reshare on Instagram and in your Facebook feed. All right, so let's talk about Pinterest next. With Pinterest, it's all about the high quality and stunning visuals. 
As I'm sure you know, Pinterest is a visual discovery platform, so it's crucial to create those eye-catching, high-quality images of your jewelry. If you're going to invest in Pinterest, you want to be investing in professional product photography that really showcases your pieces in the best light. Highlight those details, those textures, those unique features. And make sure that your images are optimized for Pinterest. So Pinterest wants vertically oriented, high resolution pins. And that aspect ratio is two, three. So these tend to perform best on the platform. If you don't know what that is and you have a Canva account, you can see Canva has templates for Pinterest pins so that you can get an idea of how those images should be oriented in the pins. So you wanna be incorporating lifestyle shots, styled flat lays, close-ups to inspire and really captivate users as they explore what you have to offer with your jewelry. Also with Pinterest, you wanna prioritize boosting audience engagement. And you can do that by incorporating clear calls to action that encourage users to save and follow your content. So when pinners save your pins or follow your account, that's a signal to Pinterest algorithm that your content is really valuable and relevant, leading to increased visibility and exposure. And then lastly, I think a lot of people forget that Pinterest is also search-driven. So it's so important to optimize all your content with relevant keywords for visibility and discovery. So think about keywords that are specific to the jewelry industry, of course, but also relevant to your individual products and what you are selling, and then incorporate those keywords strategically into your pin titles, descriptions, and board names. So what are some of my Pinterest insider tips? Okay, first, if you find it challenging to maintain that consistent presence on Pinterest and it's important to you, it's part of your strategy, then you can leverage your existing Instagram video content like your reels by repurposing it for Pinterest. So you can convert those most engaging and most informative Instagram reels by modifying them into the format that Pinterest wants. And that helps you share valuable content with your Pinterest audience by optimizing your time and effort in content creation. And one way that makes it easier to do that and kind of consolidate and streamline everything is to use a scheduling tool like Later, which allows you to connect your Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook accounts all in one place And that way you're doing the scheduling and posting all at once. My next tip is to utilize Pinterest trends, which could potentially help you delve into essential trends, subjects, and audience insights that will empower you to develop a more impactful strategy. When you leverage Pinterest trends, then you can gain valuable data and insights to refine your approach and maximize your success on the platform. Also some little like, side note things. And just so you know, Pinterest is pretty transparent about what they want to for successful content. So they advise that you should add your logo to every pin that you make. They say, keep it subtle and avoid, avoid the lower right corner since that spot gets covered up by product icons. And then lastly, A-B test your pins. So pin different versions of the same content, and that can really help you figure out what works best on the platform. 
and give you an idea moving forward of the types of pins you really should be creating. All right, let's talk about TikTok. So first and foremost, you should know that in order to use TikTok successfully, you don't have to dance, okay? So let's get that out of the way. Instead, you really, with this platform, want to embrace short-form storytelling. So capture attention quickly. Create engaging and visually appealing videos that tell an actual story about your jewelry brand. You can show behind-the-scenes footage of the jewelry making process. You can highlight unique design features. You can share customer testimonials. Focus on creating a connection with your audience. And again, within those first three seconds, it has to grab that person's attention. Otherwise, you have lost them. You also definitely want to leverage trending challenges and sounds. So the thing about TikTok is you can't not be on the platform and then just decide you're going to post. You have to kind of be in touch with the trends and the culture of the platform in order to post successfully. So stay on top of the latest TikTok trends, participate in popular challenges, only the ones that really align with your brand image and values. Definitely incorporate trending sounds and music to make your jewelry content more relatable and shareable, and that will increase the chances of it getting seen by as many people as possible. So some insider tips for insider tips for TikTok. It's better to have a content niche. So with TikTok, don't try to appeal to the masses. You'll have a way better chance of succeeding on TikTok if you have a niche, mostly because TikTok's algorithm is so good at recommending content to people who love that niche, who have that specific interest. So if you sell jewelry that's for a very specific customer or you have a certain theme or motif in your jewelry that appeals to like a certain type of person, don't be afraid to get specific because you will not have success just appealing to the general jewelry-loving masses on TikTok. You also really want to be inviting engagement. You want to give people a reason to comment. So don't just be like talking at someone or sharing video at someone. It should be with the goal of inviting or beginning a conversation. And then just like with the other platforms, make sure you're responding to all comments. You can even use comments to make new TikToks, which is a great way to invite engagement. And if you find yourself in a creative block on TikTok, the most effective way to find inspiration for fresh content is just exploring and scrolling through the platform. So again, this is the type of platform that you really need to be spending time on to understand it so that you can be part of like the overall culture and vibe, and that will help you find success. Most importantly, if you are going to be using any or all of these platforms in your social media marketing strategy, you really want to have realistic expectations of what's possible because none of these are going to be like the quick journey to overnight success. They all require an investment, dedication, time, and understanding of the platform. And setting realistics for the performance in 2023 especially, it's crucial if you want to ensure a balanced and effective marketing strategy. So when you understand what's achievable, then you can
can align your goals and resources accordingly. So to set expectations, start by looking at benchmarks for metrics like engagement rates, follower growth, reach, and click-through rates. Don't worry if that sounds foreign to you. In the next episode, we'll be talking more about social media data. So just keep that in the back of your head and we'll return to it. But for Instagram, for example, if you're just starting to invest seriously or you're adjusting your strategy, really what you can expect is very gradual follower growth. And if you can consistently produce high quality visual content, you could hit those engagement goal numbers that you have, but it takes work, it takes experimentation, it takes creativity, it requires knowing your audience, building a loyal community with those people, establishing a strong brand presence, so many things. So it is possible to still succeed on Instagram, but you cannot come to it half-heartedly. And on Facebook, you can expect maybe getting more clicks to your website, developing better and stronger relationships. If you are doing those things that I mentioned, focusing on community, putting links in your captions, responding to comments. For TikTok, what you can expect, since it's a highly dynamic and rapidly growing platform, it does offer immense potential for viral reach and engagement. So in that way, it's kind of nice. It's hard to start on Instagram and Facebook. You have a long, difficult journey ahead. But on TikTok, if you're just starting, you can potentially expect quicker follower growth and high engagement but that is if you are committed to the platform and you use it according to its best practices. And also if you're trying to reach like younger millennials, uh, Gen Z, and those younger types of audiences. With Pinterest, you can expect steady traffic and engagement over time, but again, Pinterest is known for its long-term impact and evergreen content. So this is a long game. You're not going to see success overnight, but if you're focused on optimizing your pins with relevant keywords, if you're focused on beautiful visuals and compelling descriptions, these things will increase your chances of appearing in search results and generating ongoing interest in your jewelry brand. Overall, remember, setting realistic expectations shouldn't mean limiting your ambitions, okay? So you just have to understand the unique characteristics and capabilities of each platform, tailor your strategies accordingly, and be patient as you work toward your goals. That's it for now. Go to joyjoya.com jump to sign up for the free Jumpstart program, get additional information, action items, and further resources. Before we get into the gold mine, as well as my jewelry marketing news roundup, I wanna share a case study of a brand that I think embodies what I talk about on this podcast. All right, in today's content case study, I wanna talk about Brian Anthony's and an email campaign that I recently got from them with the theme, Be Your Own Kind of Beautiful. So I was recently sifting through a ton of jewelry brand email campaigns. I like to just try to get a sense of what's going on in the market this summer, but one email that stood out 
Trust me, I look at a lot. So most of them I'm just mass deleting and not paying super close attention to. One that caught my eye was from Brian Anthony's. They've got the storytelling game that just hits differently. If you're not familiar with the brand, they are, they claim to be more than a jewelry brand. They're all about authenticity and empowerment, helping customers tell their unique stories through well-crafted designs. It's about building a community, making life's moments feel more meaningful and that they matter to the individual. So anyway, back to the email. The subject line, I have to admit, it was kind of meh. So they were lucky I was kind of clicking through and opening everything because I probably wouldn't have paid attention to it. It was new and trending. Okay, whatever. Almost skipped it, but it's research time. Inside the email, though, it was a whole different story. The headline said, be your own kind of beautiful. And the email was introducing new seashell seashell motif styles. So as you can probably imagine, and you've probably seen, most brands selling seashell, I don't know why I'm struggling with that word, seashell jewelry are playing up the summer vibes, the beach getaway aspect of the seashell look. Not Brian Anthony's though. They're putting their own spin on it. So the email reads, whole or broken, you are still a treasure, one worth finding and one worth loving. Always remember that no two seashells are alike. They each have their own story to tell, end quote. Now that's something, right? It's kind of inspiring. It's way deeper than I would have even thought to talk about seashells. And I love how Brian Anthony's took the usual kind of whatever seashell angle and flipped it on its head. It's super empowering. It speaks to the customer in a unique way. And I think if you saw this email and you were shopping for something special for yourself, this kind of messaging could really hit home with you. So suddenly that seashell isn't just a beachy icon. It becomes based on what they wrote about it, a symbol of individuality, a whole story of its own. I think this is a very cool approach to storytelling and it's just so different. Thank goodness. It's so refreshing to see a motif that's been done a zillion times, but spoken about in such a unique, personal and emotionally resonant way. So what do you think? Let me know in a podcast review or a YouTube comment. All right, let's get into the gold mine. If you're new to this podcast, the gold mine is a segment where I speak a little bit more personally on topics like mindset, entrepreneurship, success, overcoming challenges, all kinds of things related to jewelry business owners and leaders. And this week's topic is all about being surprised by your customers and also allowing yourself to be open to that surprise. So I was looking around on the internet. I found this article on Inc.com where different influential business people were sharing some thought-provoking questions. And one question that jumped out at me was, who uses our product in ways we never expected? 
And that's kind of what prompted this whole gold mine. Who uses our product in ways we never expected? So I'm going to tell you a personal story that I just related to all of this and really made me think more about this topic. So recently I was standing in line at the shoe store DSW and as I was standing there, I noticed a wall of Crocs. And if you don't know Crocs, they're like these weird rubber, sorry, I shouldn't say weird. They're these like rubber clogs that are very trendy right now. And maybe if you've seen them around, you've also noticed that in the little holes in the shoes, people, especially Gen Z, have been popping these little charms into the shoes to kind of personalize the look. So it's a way for someone to take their Crocs and like make them their own and express themselves. And I thought when I was looking at this, Surely Crocs did not come up with this concept of the charms. And the reason I say that is not because I don't think Crocs is like a capable company, but I think when you are a business that's so used to making a specific single-minded product like Crocs does, it can be really difficult to step out of your box and out of your domain and stir up something fresh and exciting when you're such an established company. So it just made me think, you know, I don't think Crocs would be able to come up with that idea. And so I got really curious about it and I wanted to know like how this trend came about. So when I got home, I Googled it. I, I really was that curious about it. And guess what? Crocs did not come up with the idea. And it's a pretty interesting story. So this woman, Sherry Smelzer, a Crocs wearer, she was like playing around with her kids one day. They were doing um, crafts and they decided to start sticking things into the holes in the Crocs, like faux flowers, different ideas to kind of dress up the Crocs and make them more personalized. And Sherry's husband, Rich, thought it was a very cool idea, was super supportive of the whole thing. And so they actually started designing more charms and decorations and turned it into a whole accessories business that they called Gibbets. So it was not associated with Crocs. It was just accessories to put on your Crocs. What's really so awesome or and innovative about Gibbets when they started, I read that they were very open to customer feedback. So, so much of their product development hinged on what their fans and customers were saying. They kept adding new designs, refining the product, and thus they really built a large customer base because people could tell, all right, well, this company is interested in really helping us express ourselves, personalize our Crocs. The company grew, they attended trade shows, they even fielded calls from interested retailers. And eventually, guess who ended up buying out Gibbets? Crocs themselves purchased the company for a sweet $10 million. So how does this relate back to my original question? It's super common for designers and entrepreneurs, particularly in jewelry, accessories, or apparel, to have this really firm vision 
of how they want their customers to wear their creations. Just like I think Crocs did. They knew their product. They knew what they wanted to put out in the world and they were good at selling it. So it's kind of hard sometimes to think outside of that box. But what I love is when I see a company adapt a product, release a new product, be more innovated, innovative because their customers are actually using the product in unexpected ways that maybe that company would have never even thought of. So I think that being receptive to your customers' creativity and ideas is super key. Your customers will spark ideas that you would not have thought up in a million years, I promise. Like maybe they are wearing your jewelry in really unexpected ways, pairing your charms and pendants with unconventional chains, or they have an original approach to layering, or maybe they're creating surprising earring combos, or just... I don't know, styling it in a way that you would not have considered ever. And if you are really tuned into your customers, you can not only then dream up new and exciting products, but you can also rethink your merchandising, your marketing, how you're showing your existing products. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, but I don't know what my customers are doing, I feel very far removed from that. Well, then that's something you really need to work on changing. If you're not sure how your customers are rocking your jewelry in real life, reach out, encourage them to share their experiences, their photos, their reviews, foster that sense of community, become friends with your customers, show them that you're not just creating products with your own agenda, but that you're actually creating for them. And I can guarantee that your most loyal customers can and will inspire you and guide you down paths that you'd never have ventured alone. So what do you think about that? Does it resonate with you? Do you wear Crocs? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Tell me in a YouTube comment or podcast review, and I'd love to know your thoughts. All right, let's get into the news roundup where I share three relevant articles related to jewelry or marketing. The first one comes from Practical E-Commerce and it's called Email Welcome Pages Drive More Sales. So we all know it's important to have an email list. It can very much be helpful to have a pop-up on your website that invites people to sign up and give them some kind of incentive to do so. But thinking beyond that, how can we really optimize that experience to get the most out of it? So usually when there's a pop-up and someone signs up, it will either just go away and say like, thank you, or it will give that person a discount code or it will invite them to shop. But thinking about that next step after sign up can really optimize how a person uses your e-commerce site. So it's called that welcome page. And the welcome page should provide clear instructions about how to apply any discount, maybe include a short video about how to shop the site, how to style the jewelry. If it's like you're selling charms and you need to explain to someone how to purchase them or pair them with chains, that's a really great opportunity to kind of lead someone through a customer journey. 
You can also use that welcome page to set expectations by informing subscribers about how often they'll get emails, the type of content they can expect, or you can use it to collect additional information about your subscribers' interests. I recently saw one, now I cannot remember what jewelry brand it was, or maybe it was apparel, but they sell both men, men's and women's apparel. And so they ask you when you sign up, what types of emails do you wanna see? Do you wanna see women's apparel or do you wanna see men's apparel? So you can use that welcome page to further personalize the recommendations. So my main takeaway is implementing a well-designed welcome page for email subscribers can improve engagement, set expectations, collect valuable customer information, and facilitate the sales process. And that can hopefully lead to increased customer loyalty and sales. The next one is from Retail Touchpoints, and it's called Four Ways Anthropology is Building Brand Loyalty While Acquiring New Younger Customers. This caught my eye because a really common question I get from jewelry business owners is, how do I nurture my current customers while continuing to expose my brand to new customers, especially when maybe they are in multiple age demographic groups. So how do you speak to an older generation and a younger generation at the same time without getting that all mixed up? And if you want an example of a brand that is doing this well, Anthropology is that brand. Despite having an incredibly loyal customer base, Anthropology has focused on expanding its reach especially among consumers in their late 20s through early 40s and even beyond that. So the way that they're doing that, they're testing new modes of storytelling. They're testing new marketing platforms. But also at the same time, they're not straying from their core heritage, the values, and the key things that make the brand different. So for example, to effectively reach those younger customers, They've had to diversify their marketing. They've had to invest more heavily in creating content. So they are on a mix of a lot of different social platforms, including Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and then adjusting the approach based on how consumer behaviors change. And I really like this one quote from their CMO, Elizabeth Price. She said, in marketing, it's not about one channel or another. You need to have the portfolio because things can change. You have to understand the objective of each platform and who their consumer is. And I think that's just so smart and important. If you are putting all of your eggs into the Instagram basket, for example, who knows how that platform will evolve or how consumer behavior will evolve as it relates to Instagram. So it's important to diversify. Of course, do what you can, but don't be putting all your eggs into one basket if you kind of want to meet customers where they are, and especially if you're trying to appeal to different groups of customers at the same time. So my main takeaway is be super mindful of your digital presence tailor your strategies to different social media platforms so that individuals can really engage with your brand and you have the opportunity to expand your reach 
and look at anthropology as a great example of that. And the last article comes from Multi-Channel Merchant, and it's called Alt-Commerce, The Future of Consumer Buying and Selling. So alt-commerce models have emerged, challenging traditional assumptions about consumer preferences and purchasing behaviors. What does alt-commerce mean? It's just anything that's different from like the traditional ways of buying things, whether that's in a store or even on an e-commerce website, which is now kind of more traditional. Alt-commerce is people like selling things through social media, through live stream shopping, even getting more creative than that. And I think consumers are more open to all of these different ways to shop. They don't have reservations or blocks about buying things in new ways. And innovation and technical technological advances have given rise to these new selling channels. And also there are now these alternative consumption models like renting, sharing, and subscription services. And again, the... As diverse as customers can be, there is just as much diversity in commerce models as well. Also, at the same time, the creator economy is expanding and creators are monetizing their content and selling products on behalf of brands. So brands and retailers in 2023 and moving forward into the future, they should perhaps consider and think about and embrace some alt-commerce models. That shows that you're really adapting to evolving consumer needs. You're willing to meet the customer where they are, and you're willing to cultivate strong customer relationships and really listen to your customers. So my main takeaway is the emergence of alt-commerce models highlights the need for businesses to really break free from traditional thinking about selling as embracing new channels, adapting to evolving consumer preferences, and exploring innovative approaches are crucial for success in today's rapidly changing market landscape. Did you have any questions about Jewelry Marketing Jumpstart? You can always email me Larissa, that's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're completely new to digital marketing, then you'll want to purchase and read a copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy. Visit joyjoya.com book for more information. 